Now you have. Run. Can't yeah. say that anymore. Now she, now she, up until now, she's finally finished. So we're super, super proud of her. Um, just, we had a prayer for the nation Saturday, and it was good. We prayed yeah. a lot. The Lord talked to us about praying that uh, his people are not deceived Yeah. in this day and in this hour. And we're not going there today. But uh, if we can keep the church from being deceived, then we can keep the nation on the right path. Amen. So that's what we were praying for. We'll pray again on May 6th. Uh, or, well, we just uh, prayed on May 6th. I, feel, I took I the failed to take that, that out. I'm sorry. We'll pray again on June 3rd. Uh, May 14th is Mother's Day. We'll honor all of the mothers um, in the house. And listen, even if you don't have natural children, you've got somebody that you've mothered in your life, somebody mm-hmm. that you've watched over and helped in life. And so we want to honor that effort. And then um, May 26th through the 28th, Reverend Larry and Angela Keaton will be with us. They're always a huge blessing. They have a he- they have a special anointing from God for healing. In fact, um, uh, Jesus himself appeared to Kenneth E. Hagin uh, back in, I think this was in 1950. I may have my year wrong. But G- Jesus actually appeared to Kenneth E. Hagin, and he placed his finger in the center of each of Ken Hagen's hands, and there was a special healing anointing. Um, and and uh, God used that anointing in Ken Hagen, Reverend Ken Hagen to uh, get people healed. Um, many years later, he was praying for Angela, and by the unction of the Holy Ghost, uh, God instructed him to lay hands on her that that same anointing in a measure would follow her ministry. Amen. And, and Jesus placed his the palms of his fingers in, in Dad Hagen's hands. And uh, when that anointing was present, there'd be a burning in his hands. Um, and so when Angela was here, when Larry and Angela were here last time, there was uh, an unction from Angela from the Holy Ghost. In fact, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think she said she never had had that unction before. 
but she had an unction to lay hands on Pastor Mike and to impart that same anointing that she got from Dad Hagen into him. Uh, so there's there's just a, a great spiritual tie uh, with us and with them. Um, Larry's testimony is amazing. Uh, he used to run drugs back in the 70s. <laughs> His testimony is very similar to Brother Randy's, very, very similar to Brother Randy's. Um, he, he actually thought at one point um, that the charges against him expired within seven, five, I think it was five years, might have been seven years. Huh? Yeah, yeah. statute of limitations, it was either five or seven years, and he got close to the end of it and because uh, he had a plan. He said, all I have to do is be good for that many years, and then I can go right back to selling drugs. And he, found, and he was coming up on that statute of limitations, and then he found out there was no statute of limitations. And he came to the end of himself, and he just didn't know. And, and uh, the Lord had led him to somebody that he had used to do drugs with that had come to find the Lord, and that gentleman led him to the Lord, and he's been serving Jesus ever since. And they've, they've, uh, God's used them all over the world. They were in the Czech Republic for 18 years. Uh, in fact, I think that they may be in the Czech Republic this week. I know that they're going there right before they come here. Uh, so uh, they'll be on fire. That'll be the first time that they've been able to go back to the Czech Republic since COVID. So uh, we'll, I think we're one of the first ones they minister to when they come back. So I'm looking for that fire and excitement in them. Uh, so make plans to be here. That's my whole point is make plans to be here. They're gifted. They're anointed. Uh, we don't tell them what to preach ahead of time. We don't even talk to them about the church because uh, everything that they say and do is by the Holy Ghost. And then we don't say anything to influence anything. Um, so they're coming. And then on June 3rd, that following Saturday, we'll do prayer for the nation. We just, you know, can't glit up on that. Then the following week, June 10th, we're actually going to do the water baptisms. I know I said May, but uh, where the location I wanted to do it isn't going to work out. Um, so we're going to push it to, to June 10th so it's a little bit warmer. Uh, we're going to actually go down to Jackrabbit in Hayesville. They have a very nice beach area. They have a very nice picnic area right there by the beach area. Um, and don't, you know, don't be freaked out. I'm not going to parade you down the middle of the beach and be like, stop everybody. We're doing baptisms and, you know, not doing that. We'll be off to the side, do our thing. It's not going to be like, I'm not freaking you out. It's not going to be a show. <laughs> but, uh, but as we're going to talk about baptism today, and you'll learn that water baptism should be a public affair. Uh, and so we'll talk about that today. And then, um, so what we're going to do is we'll do a water baptisms that day, and we'll do a church cookout. So the church will provide the meats that we'll grill. We'll do hamburgers, hot dogs. I'm sure we'll end up doing sausages, too. Everybody likes those. Uh, we'll provide bottles of water and all the paper goods. You guys will just bring a side dish and whatever beachy stuff you need, your comfy chairs and your towels and all that. Then we'll just make a day of it, uh, which will be wonderful. And then June 18th is Father's Day. And then June 26th through the 30th is Generation Life Camp. So June is shaping up to be busy. So that's everything we've got going on coming up. And uh, Pastor Mike, and everybody was asking, I believe, Currently, they're scheduled to be released. For their last day on the fire is going to be the 15th, Monday, and they'll drive home on Tuesday, the 16th. So we just got to make it today and Wednesday and next <laughs> Sunday, and then it'll be home. 
just to make it just a little bit longer, guys. Um, and then uh, for the second week, I just really wanted to get this this uh, this idea of one way to do meditation that the Lord gave Brother Randy. Wanted to give it to you one more time. Uh, the Lord instructed him. He said, find one scripture, just one scripture that covers your need. And I did um, 2 Corinthians 5.17 because we all need to know and understand that we're a brand new creature in Christ. We're something totally new that's never been, that never existed before. Um, so that's the one I did for this week. And uh, so what's the best way to begin a habit of meditation is to take this scripture, read it out loud seven times in a row to yourself, then take a few minutes, turn off your phone, close your eyes, shut out the world, focus on this scripture, focus on the Lord, talk it over with him for seven minutes, and then uh, when that seven minutes is up, do it again. Say it over and over seven times, think on it deeply for seven minutes, then do it a third time. Say it seven times, think on it deeply for seven minutes, and do this every day for seven days. And by the end of the seven days, this, this verse will begin to get down on the inside of you. I know I, I've been doing it um, with uh, last week's um, scripture. And I'm telling you, what I find is I, I'll, I find myself thinking on and off throughout the day, thinking on Jesus was rich and he was made poor for my sake. Mm -hmm. He was rich and he was made poor that not just for my sake so that I can be rich. And the Bible says, it says very clearly, you know, everybody tries to preach that Jesus was poor. But the Bible clearly says Jesus was rich. Rich. And it's not talking about just rich in love, although he was rich in love. Although he was rich in spiritual power. But he was also financially rich, and that word rich means abundantly supplied. It's not a set dollar value. It means you have all your needs met. You're abundantly supplied. And so if you'll just take this practice and put it in, if you'll take these steps and put it into practice, you'll begin to find that the word gets down on the inside of you. So let's just say this one together. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now, how I would think about this is, now, wait a minute, Lord. You said if I'm in Christ. While well, I'm in Christ, I've received Jesus. Uh, that means that the old me, the old creature, the old, the old personality is passed away, um, and all things have become new. Well, Lord Jesus, how do I get that new to the outside? <laughs> that new that's on the inside, how do I get it to the outside? And just begin to talk to the Lord about it. Um, and, and he'll reveal it to you. He'll begin to talk to you about it. I was talking to the Lord about baptism, and uh, he just revealed some things and showed some things to me. And I was like, wow, that's really cool, Lord. I hadn't ever viewed baptism that way. So uh, we're going to talk about what the Lord showed to me. Um, and uh, we're not going to cover all of it today, but uh, we'll cover it to the best we can in the short time because we're going to run a little bit of a shorter service today. Uh, because, again, at the end of service, we'll take a short little five-minute break, and then we'll go over, for those that are interested, we'll go over uh, the church finances um, and what we're believing for uh, specifically. And that part won't be recorded or live. So the only way you'll get that information is if you hang around. So we'll pray, and then we'll do the, you need that? You got that? You need that? You need that? Okay. 
so we'll pray, and then we'll do, Derek will lead us in our confession, and then we'll get right into the word. Father, we do come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your joy. We thank you for your excitement. Satan, I bind you off of the minds, the emotions, and the uh, um, uh, the minds and the emotions of the people. You have no right on this property. You have no right in this place. You have no right in this house. Nor do you have any right to operate or affect these people in any way, shape, or form in Jesus' mighty name. Now, Father, we call for, we place an expectation and a demand upon the Spirit. And, Father, we thank you for wisdom, revelation, and knowledge coming forth and coming to your people today. Father, I thank you that we see and understand things on a level that we've never understood it before. And, Father, as we come before you with praise, as we come before you with thanksgiving, as we come before you with worship, Father, your word says that you inhabit the praises of your people. So, Father, we invite you. We invite the Lord Jesus. We invite the Holy Spirit to come and to dwell. And, Father, we even invite the angels of heaven and the inhabitants of heaven to come and join us this morning as we worship you. And, Father, we thank you that we're surrounded round about with a great cloud of witnesses helping the anointing this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Mr. Derek, thank you, Father. Good morning, Disciples House. Good morning. Let's stand up and do our confession together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin, quickened to life, saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead with him. I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am the righteousness of God. I am the workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror. I live a comer and I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as a king in this life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you. Holy, holy, holy. 
angels come, sing with us to our Father God.
Make it clear. Make it plain. Give me a spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Turn around and greet somebody. Let them know you love them. And then you can be seated. Glory to God. Glory to God. We want to be obedient to follow the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Mr. Jack, can you help me? I want to put this kind of to the center here. No. It's got enough cord that we should be able to go. And pull out just a little bit. Yeah, there you go. That'll work perfectly. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Don't get excited. James came in and said, oh, Pastor, you're feeding us. I said, don't get excited. I said, don't get excited. <laughs> don't get excited. <laughs> uh, glory to God. We're teaching, but we're not feeding the flesh. We're feeding the spirit. Glory to God. Uh, praise the Lord. Well, we are going to teach on baptism. Uh, we're actually going to define baptism today. The Bible actually talks about uh, multiple types of baptism. Multiple types of baptism. Uh, so let, we'll, we'll, uh, the word baptize or baptized or, uh, is um, found in the New Testament 85 times. 85 times in the scriptures. Uh, so how much you know that means it's probably an important topic. Probably an important topic. So the first place I want us to go is to Matthew. The first place we see uh, baptism uh, in the New Testament is in Matthew chapter 3. And we know it, but we're going to look at it and read it. And uh, was baptism something new for the New Covenant or was it in the Old Covenant? I'm so glad you asked. It was actually, believe it or not, uh, there was a principle of baptizing in the Old, co in the old Covenant. Uh, that's where the priest would wash themselves and prepare themselves, cleanse themselves, or purify themselves. And remember, there were times that the king or the priest or the prophet would call for the Israelites to purify and sanctify themselves. Really what they were saying was, go wash yourself. Go cleanse yourself. Um, and, and that goes back to the principle of baptism or baptize. And uh, so we'll start, we'll pick up right here in Matthew chapter 3 in uh, verse 1. Matthew 3, 1. Uh, it doesn't take us very long to, to hear some things about baptizing in uh, Matthew. Praise the Lord. So Jesus has been born. Uh, Mary, uh, John the Baptist has been born. You know why they called him John the Baptist? That was not his last name. They called him John the Baptist because he baptized. He baptized. He, 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 he uh, cleansed people. So when John was at the River Jordan, um, he didn't sprinkle. He didn't sprinkle. And if you've not been in the denominational, in some of these denominational churches, they sprinkle you. They basically put their fingers in water and go, psh, psh, and oh, you're baptized, um, you know. And uh, the Bible does talk about sprinkling the blood, but that's not baptism. 
Uh, no, baptism actually means to be fully wet, fully wet, um, actually dipped or submerged. But let's read here in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. It says, In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea. In other words, he was outside of the city. He was outside of the city. He was actually on a main road into the city is actually where he was. Uh, so anybody coming into the city had to pass by where John was. Uh, so John was actually in a very public place. You need to understand John was in a very public place. Uh, he wasn't off in some creek off on the side, down some side road or out there. I had to take my trash to the, to the community dumpster area last night. And uh, I went, you know, kind of after dinner hours. We didn't get home till right before dark. And so I went right before dark. Well, if you like to fish, you know that's a good time to go fishing, you know. And uh, so I went out there, and there were all these cars parked on the side of the road. And I thought, oh, they're all out here fishing. That's interesting. Well, I, hadn't, I don't ever pay much attention. Michael normally takes the trash crew. He's gone, so i got to do his job. Okay, that's fine. So I took it, and I noticed when I went in the gate that there was a little, little dirt road off to the right. And I thought, oh, well, that's cool. And, um, you know, there were some cars parked at the top of it, what have you. And I dumped my trash, and I was coming out, and I noticed that that little dirt road went right down to the water. And it was nice and kind of flat and kind of pretty. And I thought, well, I could baptize people right here. And then I said, no, I'm not going to baptize my people next to the dump. That'd just be rude. No, my point was John wasn't by the dump. He wasn't off on some little side road, out-of-the-way place. He was right on the main highway into the city. And uh, it says, in those days, John came uh, uh, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, look at what he says. He says, repent, repent, repent. If you've been around here for any length of time at all, you understand that word repent actually means change. He was standing on the side of the road proclaiming to, the, to those coming by, you need to change you need to change and here's why you need to change for the kingdom of heaven is at hand now if something is at hand that means that you can reach out and grab it that means you can reach out and touch it he didn't say repent change because jesus is coming he said repent change for heaven is here now you can have heaven now my living water's over here talking to me. It's all right. Uh, if you hear it bubbling, just be all right. He said, change. He said, and, and it said, verse 3, it says, For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his, <clears throat> make his path straight. Notice he said, uh, the one's coming, and it's up to you to make his pathway straight. It's up to you, the one waiting to receive him, to make his way straight. In other words, to give him a clear path to you. Give him a clear pathway. Make, a clear, make the path clear. <clears throat> How much you know? The Bible says that the, that the um, <clears throat> way to destruction is wide, but the path, is narrow and straight 
narrow and straight. You got to keep a straight thing. So basically what he was saying was quit living crooked. Quit living deceitfully. Stop living in an ungodly manner. And uh, and it says in the same John had his raiment of camel hair and a leather girdle about his loins and his meat was locusts and honey. Listen to me. He did not look for the 17-year locusts to come along. John did not eat bugs. This locust was a plant. It was a it was the fruit or the bean of the locust tree. I've seen these locust trees and they've got these long looks like green beans, but they're real long and skinny and they're sweet. They're sweet. Uh, so and how much you know beans have protein, so they were sweet, but they had some protein. John had a sweet tooth. And, uh, but it was something that people didn't eat normally. It wasn't the normal. And, what, and, 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 and here's the other thing. He says, it says he wore camel hair and a leather girdle. In other words, he dressed different. John looked different. John dressed differently than the rest of the world. How much you know, Christians? We should dress differently. There's, this, there's an epidemic in the church where the pastors are dressing down to uh, meet the needs of the people. Listen, I didn't need help knowing how to dress down when I was in the world. I was professional at it. I needed somebody to teach me how to dress up, not dress down. I needed somebody to, I needed somebody to look at to go, that's a, that's a marker that I need to achieve. I didn't need my pastor dressing down to meet my needs. Because honestly, if you're where I'm at, I don't need to listen to you. Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. John dressed differently. He ate differently. There was something different about John. Uh, there should be something different about us Christians. And he said, and he went out, <clears throat> or then then went out to him Jerusalem, or, or yeah, then went out to him Jerusalem and all of Judea and all of the region round about Jordan. And were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing. Wait, 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 wait. What does it say? Confessing their sins, confessing that they're wrong. People came. Listen to me. People came to the Christian who dressed differently, who behaved differently, and said, "I'm a sinner. I'm wrong. I need." to change. I need to change. The church does not need to change to match the world. The world needs to change to match the church. That's what needs to happen. You want to know what happened to the church or what has happened to our nation? This is, I mean, I know the people in the house know this, but it's for more of the people online. What has happened to our nation is the church changed and therefore, the nation changed. Because the, the way the church goes is the way the nation goes. So you can get all uppity and fussy about the church, but you're in the destruction you're in because the church tried to come in line with you and made a mess of the whole nation. Do you know the church opened her borders? 
The church, the church of the living God opened her borders. The church of the living God said, come on, you illegal aliens. Come on with your drugs. Come on with your sex. Come on with your sin. Come on with your illegal status. Come on in, you unbelievers. We'll call you a Christian. We'll open our borders. We'll receive your homosexuality and all your confusion and all your demons. We allowed the demons to come into the church and take over the church. And guess what? Now the aliens are taking over the nation. Wow, I didn't know we were talking about that today. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Father. Let's be clear. Let's be honest. No, we need to be the ones changing. Not to the world, but to the Father God. Well, you didn't even know that was in there. I didn't know it was in there. He said, he said, they came confessing their sins. They didn't come saying, uh, John, we want to be part of what you're doing, but uh, receive us in our sin. They came to John and said, you're right, we're sinning. Now, let me make this very clear. In, Ju in this region, these people, these were pagan sinners. These were pagans. They worshipped pagan, pagan gods. You want to know how they worshipped their pagan gods? You really don't. You really don't. They ate out of control. They were sex... I'll just tell you like it is. They got naked and had sex with each other in public, and that's how they worshipped their gods. That's how they did it. And they came to the church, they came to John and said, we're wrong. Our behavior is wrong. Our living is wrong. They did not come to John and say, John, accept us like we are. They didn't. They didn't. They knew they were sinners and they confessed it. Every person in this house knows that they were a sinner and they came confessing. So I know I'm preaching to the choir. But you know what? If you can't be bold in the church, you're not going to be bold in the world. Glory to God. I'm trying to get us to baptism, y'all. And when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, how much you know people come to the church to put on a show? And he called them out. Apparently that's the way the Holy Ghost does this thing. Apparently that's how the Holy Ghost does this thing. He called them out. Look at what he says. This is John the Baptist. The Sadducees and the Pharisees were coming to say, oh, yeah. You know why they were coming? They were coming to say, I've been baptized by John. They weren't coming to change. They were coming for a spiritual status statement. Did you hear me? They were coming for a spiritual status statement. Oh, yeah, I've been water baptized. I'm, I've, I've received Jesus. I'm water baptized. I'm headed to heaven. Here we go. Meanwhile, you're living in dirty, filthy sins. So look at what John said. Oh, generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? He said, who told? He, said, he looked at him and said, who told you to come? Who told you to come? Who told you there's a wrath coming? He was questioning, are you here for the right purpose? Are you here because you want to avoid the wrath of God? He said, bring forth therefore fruits 
meat for repentance. You know what he said? He said, go ahead and come down to the riverside and confess your sins and let everybody know what you've been doing. He said, come to the front. He said, go ahead, come down to the river's edge and, and begin to profess and, complain and, 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 and uh, acknowledge your filthy living. Because, you know, they did everything in secret. They did everything in secret. How much, you know, when you lived in sin, you did everything in secret? Until such point that you've been, then, then you just got so bold and blazing that you did it in public and didn't care. Because you were so deep in it, it was the only thing you knew. But even then, even when you were living it in plain view, there were still things you kept hidden. There were still things you kept hidden. Because you knew it was wrong. He said, bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. He, in other words, he said, I'm not going to baptize you until you confess your sins. That's what John said. John said, I am not baptizing you until you confess your sins. Because to take a dip and a plunge in the water does absolutely nothing for you if you don't change in the heart. If you don't change in the heart, it does absolutely nothing for you. And notice there's a colon there, which means he goes on to explain himself. He said, and think not to, he said, think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to, father, to our father, and I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. See, here was the problem. Many of the Jews, and this is still a problem today, many of the Jews say, well, I'm of the lineage of Abraham, therefore, it doesn't matter how I live, it doesn't matter how I behave, I'm still making heaven. And John said, don't thank your heritage. Don't think just because you were raised in the church. Don't think just because you can recite some scriptures. Don't think just because you know how to behave in the church. Don't think that that's going to make it. He said, don't think that. He said, because honestly, our God is so powerful that if, if, he, if, if no human on the planet gives their heart to God, God is capable to bring life out of these rocks and make them the children of Abraham. That's what he said. Lord Jesus, take me, not a rock. <laughs> Lord Jesus, take me, not a rock. Lord Jesus, I'll humble. I'll change. I'll make the difference. I'll change. He said, and he goes on and he says, uh, he said, for I say unto you that God is able of these stones to, rise, to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid onto the root of the trees. He said, listen, because how much, you know, the covenant's about to change. Right now, John's operating under Old Covenant. Right now, he's operating under the Old Testament. Even though we're in the New Testament, the New Testament had not yet been sealed with Jesus' death. So they're still under the Old Covenant. So right now, the Jews are in. But he said, listen to me, Jews. He said, there's an axe fixing to fall that's going to cut you from the Father's tree. So it's important that you get in this flow that God's going in. He said, it's a, it, your, your lineage, your genealogy is no longer going to work for you, is what he said. He said, and now the axe is laid onto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not good fruit is hewn down and casteth into the fire. This is where a lot of people get off and say, oh, see, your works matter. Yes, your works matter in the regard of it maintains your salvation once you get it. 
But it doesn't get you your salvation. It doesn't get you your salvation. And basically what he's saying is if you don't repent, if you don't change, and if you don't produce a lifestyle that is worthy of God, you're going to be cut off. Listen, you can pray the prayer of salvation and still go to hell. You hear me? You can pray the prayer of salvation and still go to hell. Because if you didn't pray it from your heart, it didn't make a change. If you prayed it from your heart and then you went out and you lived for the devil all the days of your life and you ignored and denied God, Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. Your lifestyle matters. You can't, you can't live with the devil all the days of your life and, may, and say one prayer and expect to go into heaven. This has got to be a change. Remember what John said? He said, change. Change your thinking. Change your behavior. Change your actions. Change. Because, the he, because heaven is available now. So he said, so he was telling these Jews, he was telling them, uh, Jews, you better change. Gentiles, you better change. <clears throat> and look at what he said. Verse 11. He said, I indeed baptize you with water onto repentance. He said, I baptize onto water with repentance. Now, uh, give me just a second. I want to make sure I get the right one. This word baptize is the word baptizo, the word baptizo. Uh, and uh, this definition for baptizo means, oh, I don't think I put it up there. I don't think I gave it. I don't think I gave this one to you. I should have. I'm sorry. But baptizo means to dip repeatedly, to immerse or submerge, to cleanse by dipping or submerging, to wash or to make clean with water, to wash oneself, to bathe, to overwhelm or overcome. That's the Thayer's definition. The Strong's definition is to make whelmed. That is fully wet. Used only in the New Testament of a ceremonial um ablution, uh, especially of the ordinances of Christ. So he, so, so, he's, so what Strong's is saying is that this is a word that's used only in regard to the Christian life, and it means to be made fully wet, to dip or to submerge. To dip or to submerge. To dip or submerge. So... Here, if I take a person that's out here living in the world, my little eggs are going to represent a person here. And uh, I was nice. I got, I got duck eggs so y'all could see them real good. So if I take my little egg here, my little person, and I take him and I talk to him about Jesus and I, and I tell him, you need to repent, you need to change. You need to come to know the living water. And my little egg says, well, I, I like that. I want to change. And uh, so I take him, and uh, I tell him, you know, you need to change. Well, how do I change? I said, well, it's real easy. You dip yourself, you submerge yourself in living water. The living water is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Well, how do I do that? Well, you pray. You spend some time. You confess your sins and you confess your need to change. Well, what does that look like? So I've got up here, I've got my little boiling water. How much do you know? That means that that water's alive. It's moving. It's alive. It's moving. And I take my little egg and I stick him in there. And I stick him in my boiling water. And let's say we, let's say we talk to a couple of them. And we stick a couple of them in here. And we're talking to them, and they're, and they're getting their heart right, and they're dedicating. And they take the time. So i got three little people in there and being baptized in Jesus. They're saturated. How much you know? They're, they're sitting in the living water. They're just, for them, all they know is they're wet and warm. They're wet and warm. That's what they know. They know they're wet and warm. But what's happening in the spirit is in the hidden place of the inside of you. On the hidden, in the hidden place, the hidden place of man. How much, I mean, that glass, that lid's see-through, but it's all foggy. You can't see. How much, you know, right now they're in the hidden place. In the hidden place, Jesus goes to work. In the hidden place, now are the eggs doing anything in and of themselves? They're just sitting there. They're just sitting there, and what they're doing is they're talking to Jesus. And they're saying, Lord Jesus. Truth be told, my brain doesn't fully understand this. Lord Jesus, truth be told, I don't get it. I don't even know. Honestly, in my head, I don't even know if you're real. But down on the inside, something's changing on the inside. There's a pull on the inside that tells me that what this person is telling me is true. There's a pull on the inside that just... I, don't, I can't explain it. There's a knowing in me that you're real. There's a knowing in the hidden place of yourself, the hidden place where your spirit is, your spirit is beginning to change as you're beginning to talk to the Father. And this change is occurring. Meanwhile, on the outside, you're just sitting in some water being warm. Hot, sunny day. Ooh, it's getting hot in here. Maybe you're in a hot sauna. I don't know. It's just hot. You're sweating a little. You understand, you're feeling a little bit of pressure. How much do you know? It's pressure to, to, to lay yourself down and make yourself say, I'm a drunkard. I'm a liar. I'm a murmurer. I'm a complainer. I'm a thief. I don't honor my parents. I don't honor my boss. I'm mean. I complain. Oh, I'm nothing. I, I'm just a sinner. I'm just rough. Lord, I'm rough. I, I treated so-and-so so badly, and all they were trying to do was help me. I was having a rough day at the grocery store, and a little, little teenager came up to help me, and I cussed them out, made them feel small and insignificant. How much are you, what, what are we doing? We're confessing. We're confessing. We're talking about how we, we've got so much pain and so much hurt. The only thing that helps us to cope is to take a little drink or take a little snort or take a little puff. But even that doesn't help. And actually all it does, I mean, it dulls the pain. Lord, it dulls the pain for a season. It dulls the pain for a little while. But then when that stuff wears off, Lord, I feel worse and more ashamed than I did when I started. And then I drink a little more and I huff a little more and I puff a little more. And then, Lord, it gets, my, it gets my hormones out of control. And then I go looking at screens that I shouldn't be looking at. And then I start talking to people I shouldn't be talking to. And then I start doing things that I shouldn't be doing with my body that, honestly, I thought would make me feel good. And in the moment, it was fine. But in the end, it wasn't. Because at the end, 
All I felt was shame. And meanwhile, in the hidden place, there's something happening. In the hidden place, there's something happening. Down in the hidden place, something is changing. And so you say, Father, I'm a mess. Lord Jesus, and you sit there and you sob and you cry and you snot everywhere. This is heart repentance. And you get real. You get sad. This isn't something that you pray in a second of time. This is something that takes a few minutes. And the longer that you've been without God, the longer it takes. How much do you know? If, you, if you've only got a little bit of sin, how much do you know? You don't have to be in that, in that well of living water very long before a change comes. But if you've got a lot of sin, you're going to have to be in there a while. Repenting and apologizing and, and acknowledging the sinner that you truly are. You know, it's real easy to say, well, I've never killed anybody. Really? Did you kill their, did you kill their reputation? Did you talk bad about them? Did you tear them down? Did you steal their job from them? I've never stolen anything. Really? Did you take something from a restaurant that wasn't yours? And said, it's a big company. They can afford more. Here you go. Did you ever steal somebody's spouse? Well, well, their wife just wasn't meeting their needs, and they just needed somebody to talk to, and so we didn't do any. Listen, you can commit adultery without ever going to the bedroom. You can commit adultery without ever taking your clothes off. You can commit adultery without ever touching somebody physically. Because adultery is being intimate with somebody on a level that is personal and private. And if you're married, that person that you're supposed to be intimate with is your spouse, not your coworker, not your workout buddy, not your best friend. No, that's not so you're not supposed to do that. Not supposed to do that. No. Well, they just weren't getting their needs met. Well, it wasn't your job to fill them. Well, I'm not married, so it doesn't matter. Uh, exactly. They're still not your spouse. Did you ever dishonor your parents? Yeah, absolutely. Did you know? I did a. I, I, I've done a lesson. I, and the first time I did this, I was floored, because you know, raising up teenagers in the church. You know, you hear a lot of teenagers complain about their parents. Kids will tell kids will tell youth ministers things that the parents would be shocked and embarrassed if we if they knew that the youth ministers knew it. They would be, they would be, and the youth job, youth minister's job is just to love them through it, not hold anything against the parents, and say, "Honey, your parents are doing the best they can. Just help them, honor them, respect them, be there for them." And so we, we got, at one point we had this real issue with there was just massive tension between what the kids thought the parents' responsibility was and what the kids thought their responsibility was. And what it came down to is the kids thought the parents were supposed to do everything. The kids thought the parents were supposed to hand them life on a silver platter. And if the parents didn't do it, they were breaking some law of man and that they could call the cops and DSS and have their parents arrested. This was a problem in our youth group. So we said, uh, enough of this. We had an apparent youth service. I put the parents on one side and I put the youth on the other side. And I said, now, 
let me tell you what your jobs are. I said, parents, here's your job on a piece of paper. You know what their job was? One line. Train the rudimentaries, the basics of life. Teach your children the basics of life. Teach them how to survive. Teach them how to do laundry. Teach them how to cook. Teach them how to clean. Teach them how to read. Teach them how to write. Teach them to follow the word of God. All summed up in one line. Train a child in the way they should go. And you know that that job goes from the age of birth to the age of young adulthood, which is early adolescence. And then from early, then from uh, young adult, early adolescence, the age of 12 to the age of 30, the parent is still, listen to me, to the age of 30, your parent is still your parent and still supposed to tell you what to do. Did you know that? Parents, you're supposed to tell them what to do. Yes, you need to let them make their choices. Yes, you need to make them, let them make their decisions. But you also need to guide them. There is no marker that says, well, you're 12 now. I'm done parenting you. <laughs> and that happens. And that happens. There's no marker that says, okay, you're 18. Out of the house. Go live on your own. Figure it out. There's no marker for that. My poor little people are over here well transformed. They're done repenting. They've got their repentance right. But all they've been doing is sitting in the hot water. Now they're going to go over here and they're going to go from the sauna to the swimming pool and back into the world and back into their life. Back into their life, everyday life. And all they know that's happened to them is they got a little warm. They came under a little pressure. They poured their heart out to God. And now what? Now what? As far as they know, has anything changed? No. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Do they look the same? One might be a little wider, but other than that, they look the same, don't they? This one went through the hot pressure of repentance. This one, or I'm sorry, this one has been the same it's always been, living in sin. This one's repented of all its sins. Honestly. It's a little bit, a little bit shiny. Got a little bit of shine to it, but other than that, if you didn't know, you probably would just say, well, I don't know. That chicken was just a whiter chicken. I don't know. That duck was a whiter duck. I don't know. Looks the same. Right? It's all right. Life's changed. Nothing's changed. I forgot they were over here. I forgot about them, but the Lord Jesus didn't. Lord Jesus didn't. He's, he's got them. So... Nothing's changed. As far as they know, other than they've said a prayer, nothing's changed. But how much you know on the inside? At this point, the inside, things are totally different. How much do you know? The inside of this egg and the inside of this egg are totally different. This egg has a life in it. This leg actually has what nourishes life in it. Different changed it's transformed but just sitting on a shelf you can't tell them apart just sitting on a shelf that's what the new birth looks like when you do romans 10 9 when you do romans 10 9 if thou shalt believe in thy heart and confess the lord jesus what did we just do we just baptized those eggs into christ that's the first baptism that's the first baptism that's what john said 
John said, uh, be baptized. Uh, Romans 10, 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart, not his head, that Jesus uh, was, that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. These, these little ducks over here, these little ducks are saved and heaven bound. They're good. They're heaven bound. But nothing on the outside of their life has changed. Nothing. Nothing on the outside of their life has changed. But then there's what we call going to church. There's what we call reading the word. There's what we call spending time in prayer. There's what we call uh, spending time in the spirit, praying much in the Holy Ghost, the things that we do. We can take that same living water in those environments, the same exact living water that they sat in to be transformed, take those same exact living water, and in that living water, How much you know the living water is at the church? Oh, oh, it melted my cup. Hold on, I might have to let it cool off a little bit. We'll let that cool off a little bit. Let's go back and read the Bible while that cools off just a little bit. We just melted the church. Wow. Okay, let that cool off just a little bit. Tell you what, tell you what, let's just, let's just do this. We're going to cool it. i got to have hot water. Come on. I'll tell you what we'll do. Give me a little of this. I don't want to melt it, but I still need this hot. I got a cup. I'm good. This will work. This will work. Let's go back to Matthew for just a minute. Matthew chapter 3. Let's go back to Matthew for chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Because honestly, if I put that in a, hot, in a glass, it would explode the glass, and that would be a problem. All right. So go back to Matthew 3, and he said, I indeed baptize you with water. So I baptize you with water onto repentance. Onto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I. Who's he talking about? Jesus. Whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He said, I'm not even worthy to carry Jesus' shoes. This is John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, the one preparing the way. The one baptizing people said, I, and Jesus is his cousin. His cousin. He knows it. And he said, I am not even worthy to carry his shoes. Not even worthy to carry his shoes, man. He said, I'm not even worthy to carry his shoes. He said, for he shall baptize you with what? Holy Spirit and, and, and fire. That indicates that there's two more baptisms. Did you hear me? That indicates that there's two more baptisms. There's the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then there's the baptism of fire. The baptism of the Holy Ghost and the baptism of fire. He said, um, there's one coming. When you meet Jesus, Jesus wants to baptize you in in the Holy Ghost. In other words, he wants to give you the Holy Ghost, and he also wants to give you fire. What is fire? That's the anointing of God. The power of God. The power, the anointing, the power of God. All right. So, let's keep reading because there's a, there's a colon here which means there's more. He said, whose, thought, whose fan is in his hand 
and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat onto the grinder. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Basically, he said, if you don't receive, basically, listen, Jesus did not come to lovey, 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 kissy everybody in their sin. He said, listen to me, Jesus is coming and he's going to pull the wheat. He's going to separate the righteous from the sinner. He's going to, he's going to separate and he's going to take the righteous with him and those that are not righteous, those that don't know him, those that don't work with him, those that are full of sin, those that would prefer to follow his enemy, the devil, he's going to let them go into the fire with the devil. It's their choice. It's their choice. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan onto John. And, and, and look at what it says. To be baptized of him. He came to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and thou comest to me? John said, now wait a minute. Uh, I want the Holy Ghost and fire, and you're coming to me? But look at what Jesus said. Jesus answering saith unto him, suffer it be so for now. He said, suffer now. He said, in other words, indulge me, permit it, let this occur. Why? Because that was how God was operating in that day. In that day, before Jesus came to the cross, the only way you could get into the family of God was to be water baptized with repentance. Because it was the pre, it was, that was how you, that's how you got into the flow of God. And it was only available to the Jews. This was Jesus, this was the Father God moving the Jews from sacrificing in the temple into walking in fellowship with him. This was only for the Jews, this water baptism. Well, do we get water baptized today? Yeah, we get water baptized today, but not based off of this. Not based off of this. He said, suffer now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. What did, he, what did Jesus tell John? He said, John, we have to do this thing God's way. We have to do this God's way. If you think you have a, an agreement with God and God's going to do it your way, you're wrong. You have, Even Jesus, even the son of the living God, God himself had to do it the father's way. Even Jesus had to do it the father's way. Then he suffered them. In other words, John said, Okay, Jesus. Even John didn't fully understand the movement. John just knew what God told him to do. There's going to be times, there's going to be seasons, there's going to be things where God's going to tell you to do something and you're not going to understand it, but you're going to know that you know that you know that, it's you, that you have to do it. There's been many a times I didn't understand why the Lord sent me to pray for this person or to talk to this person or send a random text of rebuke to that person or a random text of love to this person or whatever. I didn't know. There was a time that God told me to say, listen, I am not a gift giver. I am not. A, I love receiving gifts. Like, that's, like you want to tell me you love me? Bring, I don't care. Bring me a candy bar. Bring me, bring me a toothpick. Bring me a gift. And I'll be like, oh, my God, they love me. But on the other hand, I'm not the gift giver. 
It's, it, to me, it's a little odd, but I'm just not. I'd rather talk. To, I'd rather sit down, do quality time with you. That's how I like to show love. Sit down and do quality time with you. But I love to get gifts. And the Lord all of a sudden, one day, the Lord impressed upon me to send a gift to two uh, young ladies that I had gone to camp with. Uh, one of them was Bill and Sandra's daughter, Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, when she'll even admit it, when she was in, in camp and she was that age, she was the spoiled child and she was the camp director's kid and could get away with anything. At least that's the mentality that she had. And her and I just did not. Oh, Lord. I was like, Elizabeth, come on, girl. Neither case, she's out at Ramah, and the Lord lays it on my heart to send her and a friend of hers that had gone to camp that were now out at Ramah to send them a care package. And I couldn't get away from that direction. I couldn't get away from it. And finally, I reached out to her, and I thought, she's going to think this is the craziest thing in the world. And I reached out to her, and I said, hey, I got a question. Uh, you, and I called the other girl's name. I said, um, what kind of snacks do y'all like? What kind of things do you, do you need? Like, any, do you like... I knew she wasn't real good at keeping things clean. I'd gone to camp with her all her whole life. And, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Any case, I said, do you need some Febreze, some Lysol? Like, like, what kind of cleaning supplies do you like? Like, I just, just ra asked her a bunch of random questions to figure out. And then I went to the store, and I bought them a bunch of stuff, and I stuck it in a box, and I put a card with it and said, Jesus told me to send this to you. I just need you to know that we love you greatly. Stuck it in the mail and sent it. Taught the youth about it. You know, God tells you to do something, do something. I never thought about it again. Never thought a single thing about it again until last year at camp. Was it last year? It was last year at camp. Elizabeth got up and taught for the ladies. And uh, she talked about how while she was out at Bible school, Bill and Sandra's daughter, who were the camp directors for the southeast region at one time and what have you, she's out there. And uh, while she's at Bible school, unmarried she gets pregnant and she said hi so I thought nobody loves me I've got to tell my parents this is this is world ending I'm gonna die if you knew brother Bill you'd understand why she thought she was gonna die <laughs> like just all this stuff she said she said but you know what she said God puts people in your life that will love you no matter what and she said and I went to my mailbox one day and she said and I had a package and she paused and she started to cry. And I'm thinking, wow, this is a good story, Elizabeth. This is a really good story. And then all of a sudden, with tears, tears in her eyes, and she just said, Miss Robbie. And I went, wait, what? <laughs> I went, wait, what? She said, I got, I got a package. And I went. I think I, oh, yeah, I did send a package. Didn't find out until last year. Her daughter is now 10. This is how long ago it was. I just now found out. Her daughter, I think, is just now 10 or 11, her oldest, Sophia. Somewhere around in there, 10 or 11. Uh, and uh, I just found this out last year. She said, in that moment, I realized that I was love, and it completely changed everything for me. And I went to Elizabeth, and we were at dinner, and we were going through this bar, salad bar, what have you, and I said, she was across from me, and I said, Elizabeth, I had no idea that package. I said, oh, stop crying. I'm sorry. I won't talk to you about it. I'm so sorry. So God will tell you to do some things that you don't understand. So here John the Baptist is out there baptizing people, doesn't understand why he's doing it. But Jesus came along and said, it's the Father's plan, John. It's the Father's plan. So he's out there and he's doing it. It's the Father's plan. 
See, you may be witnessing to somebody and you don't know why. It's the Father's plan. And he said, and Jesus, when he was, when he was baptized, when he was submersed in that water, when he went down in that water, he went straight, uh, it says, went, uh, went up straightway onto, into the, out of the water. So he went down into the water, came up, and lo, the heavens were opened onto him, and he saw... And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, not a dove, but like a dove, and lightning upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Many people, and this is crazy, many people will talk to me about their water baptism, and they'll say, oh my God, it was the most glorious, most spectacular spiritual day in my life I've ever experienced it. And I go, really? Really? Now, granted, I, I fully remember the day I was water baptized. My mom, myself, my husband, my 82-year-old grandmother, Miss Kathy, and her son, Dakota, went to Fields of the Woods in late September, early October sometime. Uh, it was cold. That's what we all remember is it was cold. Went, went and uh, Pastor Tommy uh, had, uh, water baptized us, and I remember thinking, oh, my God, this is going to be amazing. The skies are going to open up. You know what? I went in the water. I came out of the water, and all I was was cold. Yeah, cold and wet. I was cold and wet. How much do you know? These little guys are in an ice bath right now. How much do you know? All they know is cold and wet. That's all they know is cold and wet. A lot of times we think because this happened for Jesus that this is what's going to happen for them. And it's not. You're hiding in there. But no, they're just cold and wet. Just cold and wet. But no, so you come out, you're all cold and you're all wet. Then you dry off, and how much you know? You go back in the you go back to the world, you go back in the world, you go about your life. Does it look like anything's changed? Doesn't look like a thing's changed in the world. You're part of the six pack, you're part of the world. You're in there. You're but but how much you know? You're no longer like they were. You're no longer like they were. Let's try this again. You got the church, you got your Bible, you got your time in prayer, you got your time praying in the Holy Ghost. You add some living water in here. You get your nice living water. Whoops. The world, oh, I forgot what I was doing. Listen, y'all don't want to be with me in the kitchen. No, actually, I'm a good cook, believe it or not. Uh, you get you some living water. And it's a nice, warm environment. Your living water is a nice, warm environment. It's a good environment. It's nice. And then, well, now, who's the living water? Jesus. Jesus is your living water, right? So how much you know Jesus is in your church? Jesus is the word, which means he's in your Bible. How many, when you spend time in prayer, how much you know you're spending time in the living word? You're in that living word with God. And uh, now that's not much water. Does that look like that's going to do a whole lot? It doesn't look like it's going to do a whole lot. But you get in there, not only do you add a little bit of living water, but you add a little bit of the anointing. You add a little bit of the anointing. And then you add a little bit of revelation. You add a little bit of the anointing. You add a little bit of, a tiny bit of, a, tiny bit. The, the anointing is the Holy Ghost. You add a little bit of revelation. And it, you know, because how much, you know, when you spend time at the Word, spend time in the Word, revelation comes. Have you ever read the Word and went, oh, man, 
Have you ever had that moment? I know I've had that moment. About every time I sit down to read the Word. About every time I sit down to read the Word. You know, spend a little time with the Holy Ghost. Spend a little time. And this one I'm going to do. This one I'm going to do real heavy. I'm going to do this one real heavy for a reason. What's the inside of our eggs look like? They should be firm, and they should be yellow in color, right? They should be. They should be. So I'm going to take this little guy right here, and I'm going to take this, this little guy right here, and I'm just going to drop him in there. How much do you know, the longer, that you, the longer that he stays in this environment, how much do you know, the more and more his outside's going to look like the inside? The longer he's in this environment, the more time he spends in this environment, the more the light that's on the inside, that bright yellow that's on the inside, is going to begin to develop on the outside. Right? So how much, now, is he completely submerged? Yeah, he's completely submerged. He's in there walling around, having a good time. That's what baptism means, is to be submerged. Uh, just so, you know, you see so you've got your time, you're spending your time. So you go to church. And you spend a little bit of time. Spend a little bit of time in the service. Did it take very long to begin to change on the outside? It didn't take very long, did it? This is, some, this is some fast working color right here. This is some fast working color right here. Did he spend some time reading the Word? Did he change? But watch. He's out in the world. He's getting his color rubbed off. Quite as dark as he was. To get darker, what's he got to do? He's got to get baptized again. He's got to get dipped again. He's got to get dipped again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Every time you read your word, every time you come to church, every time you pray, every time you spend time with Jesus, praying in the Holy Ghost, every time, what are we doing? We're taking a bath in the blood of Jesus. We're submerging ourselves in the blood of Jesus. Now that's about as long as you go under the water when you get water baptized. When you get water baptized, you literally, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Do you think that's going to change even that much? How much you know, you're not as receptive as an egg. In fact, when we dip you that fast, you're going to come back looking just like this. So how many times are you going to have to be dipped repeatedly Repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. Let's go look at these definitions one more time. One more time. I'm going to go look at these definitions. This definition of baptismo means to be baptized, though, means to dip repeatedly, to immerse repeatedly, to submerge repeatedly. That's what this word means. Now, this word comes from another word, uh, which means, uh, which is bapto, bapto. And this word bapto means to uh, dip, to dip in, to immerse, 
It literally, it means to dip into dye or, or a vat of color. Uh, the way that they would, if I wanted to dye this a different color, say I wanted to dye this blue, what I would do is I would take a vat of blue dye and I would dip it and I would pull it and I would wring it and I would dip it and I would pull it and I would wring it and I would dip it and I would pull it and I would wring it and I would keep doing this process until this became blue. That's what we have to do with Christ. That's why there's multiple baptisms. Your first baptism is in the, is in the living water of Jesus Christ. That's being born again. Salvation. The second one is water baptism. Well, but you said that's Old Testament. Are we supposed to do that New Testament? Go to Matthew chapter 28, the last book of Matthew. The last book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 28. And this is, we're going to go more in depth and look at more scriptures, but I just want to give you kind of a synopsis. We're defining what baptism is. Baptism is a re-dipping continually in the things of God. So Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18. Matthew 28, 18. He said, and Jesus came and spake unto them. This is, Jesus has been, he's done his three and a half years of ministry. He's been to the cross. He's been crucified. He's come, he's walked the earth for 40 days and 40 nights doing signs, wonders, and miracles. He's uh, there with his disciples. He's getting ready to ascend. Luke picks up this scene in the book of Acts, verse 1. But right here, Jesus is getting ready to ascend. He's getting ready to tell them to go to Jerusalem. He's getting ready to tell them to wait for the promise. And he tells his disciples, he says, and a disciple, listen, don't let this mess you up. There was more than the 12 present. There was more than the 12 present. There was somewhere uh, about 500 of his followers present at this, speak, at this saying. Disciple literally means a student or an apprentice learning to become like the master. So when we come into Christ, we become a disciple and we begin to, become, we begin to look like the master. When you become born again, when you come into Christ, when you receive Jesus, that is when the work begins because now you have to repeatedly on purpose dip yourself in the presence of God, until you look like Christ. Look like Christ. And so Jesus came, and he said this, and he spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in the earth. At this point, Jesus has been to heaven. He's received all earthly power. He's paraded the enemies, but down the streets of heaven, he's walked in, he's walked the streets of heaven with his kingly robe, with all of his, with all those that he's defeated, listed on his robe. There's been a glorious celebration in heaven. He's come to the earth. He's done all of this. And he said, now I have all of the power. See, because when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they gave Satan the power. And Jesus went and said, no, no, now I have the power. He said, I have the power. He said, Jesus, Satan's still on the earth and Satan will still rule and reign if you allow him. But I have the power and the authority. How much do you know? Uh, you, can, you can take the, the criminals to jail. But if you leave their doors unlocked, how much you know they're going to take over the prison? 
You got to lock them in. You got to lock them in. And, uh, and Jesus said, I have the keys and I have the power to lock them in. I have the authority to lock them in their cages. He said, go ye therefore. Now he's telling his disciples. He's deputizing his believers. He's deputized you. He's deputizing you. He says, go therefore and teach all nations. That word nation means all people. People. You don't have to go to Africa or Israel or Zimbabwe or, or Tasmania or anywhere else. You have nations of people where you work, where you go to school, in your community, and even in your own household. He said, go teach. Go teach. Well, I'm not gifted for fivefold. Every person can teach what you've learned. Go teach all nations. And look at what he says. Baptizing. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Father, that's one. The Son, that's Jesus, that's two. And the Holy Ghost, that's three. Everything that God does that matters is in threes. Threes or sevens. Threes or sevens. There's technically three baptisms, and one of them you can do over and 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 over. There's no end. He said, go into the, he said, teaching, baptizing. He didn't say go baptize. I want you to think about this. He did not go baptize. If I said, if I said, Brianna, come here, I want to take, I want to give, Brianna, you have a test. Then I, how much, that's one test, right? But if I say, Brianna, uh, you go to school this week, you have testing, what does that mean? More than one. Baptizing, more than one. More than one. If you go do something, bring in, how much, you know, you're, you're in the process of, you're doing it more than once. You know, you're doing something more than once. So he said, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then colon, and he said, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. How much you know? He just gave us a command to go teach and to go baptize. You don't have to be a pastor or a minister of the fivefold gospel, fivefold ministry to baptize somebody. You don't have to have a, a pastor baptize you. You don't have to. As long as you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and you are working to make your life look like Jesus, then you can baptize somebody. Is that not what he said? He's talking to the disciples. He wasn't talking only to fivefold. He's talking to all disciples. He said, go teach and go baptize. Go teach and go baptize. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you, colon, and lo, I am with you always, even into the end of the earth, or into the world. He said, listen, he said, I have all the authority, all the power, the might, you go in my name, and I'm going to go with you. I go with you. Now, we're not going to get into it today, but we'll look at some scriptures next week. I know it'll be Mother's Day, but I believe we'll continue on this flow next week. If not, we'll do it the following week. But we're going to look at, there were all through the book of, all through the book of Acts, um, there were people that were baptized in public places. Public places, people were baptized. 
So you've got the so you, so you've got the first baptism, which is the baptism into the body of Christ, which is you're totally submerged in the in Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ in the hidden place of the Spirit begins to make a change. The outside looks perfectly the same, but then there's things that you can do that can cause you to change. And one of them is to go to a pool of water and make a public declaration. I have received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I have made a commitment to change. This is what water baptism is. is You are publicly declaring, I've committed my life to Christ, and I am purposing in my heart to change. And I am going to begin to do what the Bible tells me to do. And so this is a public event. You should invite your friends. You should invite your family, the people that you've been witnessing to. You should go to them and say, listen, I'm getting water baptized. I'm publicly declaring that I'm going to live for Jesus. This is very important to me, and I would like for you to be present. Well, but they're not, but pastor, they're not a believer. They don't have to be. You're marking a day. You're looking at your, what your water baptism is the day that you mark on your calendar and say, that's the day I began to live for Christ. That's the day that I acknowledge that that's the, I want you to know and understand that I understand that I'm different on the inside. I may not look different on the outside yet, but I'm working on it. Because there's something different on the inside. And what's different on the inside is I met the God of living water and I sat in his presence and I told him I needed him and I told him how badly I needed him. And while I was telling him that I needed him, he began to change me on the inside. And so now I'm going to go to the water and I'm going to publicly declare that there's a change on the inside and I'm purposing to work to take what's on the inside and bring it to the outside. And this is why it's public. This is what they were doing with John the Baptist. They were going to the water and they were saying, we have purposed in our hearts to change. And so they went. And he said, he said, oh, you're purposing in your heart to change? Well, start now. Repent. Confess your sins. Now, you don't have to confess your sins to me. You have to confess them to him. That part doesn't have to be public. That part, because that, I know you. I know if you're a drinker, cusser. I don't, may not know every sin, but I know you're not living clean. All I have to do is watch how you live. But the Father is the one that matters. So you go to the Father. You get dipped in the living water. There's a change on the inside. Then you go and you say, I, I, need, I need people to know I've changed. That's what dipping in the water is all about. It's an acknowledgement. We're going to see this next week. But there's an acknowledgement. Paul said this. Paul said, do you not know that you were buried with Christ? Being water baptized is a type and shadow of you going into the grave with Jesus and coming out alive onto God. It's an outward display. You getting water baptized in the new covenant does nothing for God. You need to understand this. Some people have 
wonderful experiences when they come out of the water. That's the moment the revelation hits. That's the moment the skies open up and angels sing the, the hallelujah choir. And oh my gosh, it's the day they're going to remember for all the days of their life. And if that happens to you, fantastic. But if you have a day like I did where, you're not, where nothing happens, you're just wet and you're just cold, I still remember it. I still remember who was with me. And most importantly, I remember that that was the day that I committed my life to change. It wasn't something I was trying. It was something I was doing. And so I went, and I stood with my pastor because he was the one that helped me come into Christ. Listen, if you have somebody that sits with you and does a Bible study with you and leads you into Christ, and you say, man, that person helped me get there. I want him to be the one to baptize me. So be it. Go. 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 I'm not offended if I'm your pastor and I'm not the one that water baptizes you. In fact, while I was meditating and thinking on this, I said, well, Lord, should we do that? I thought, Lord, I'm going to baptize the first one. And I'm going to let that one baptize the second one. I'm going to let the second one baptize the third one and just go ahead and get their feet wet on this. And for good measure, since how the last one won't have any baptized, I'll let them baptize me just so they'll get the experience. I don't know that it'll go that way. Because <laughs> some people are like, no, wait a minute, I want my pastor to baptize me. And that's fine. But I want you to understand, Jesus said, you go baptizing. But you need to understand, when you baptize somebody, it's not because they're, you're not making them saved. All you're doing is, is helping them to have a point of contact that they can look back on. I can look back on October. It was October. It wasn't September. It was, in fact, I think it was October 18th, to be honest. I don't know why we were so late because we were desperate to get baptized. I believe it was October 18th of 2002. Yeah, he did. She's right. The pastor tried to wait to, told us to wait till spring, and we were like, no, we're tough. We can handle it. And then my granny, who's 82 years old, said, I want to be baptized. Oh, okay. 2001. 2001. Because granny went home in spring of 2002. October 2001. Couldn't wait. October 2001. We were, I thought, oh, Lord Jesus, what are we doing? I'm like, we'll have to have towels. We'll have the heat on. We'll do. Granny handled it like a champ. I was like, praise God. 82 years old, out there at Fields of the Wood, wind blowing. Oh, my gosh. We were all like, what are we doing? But here's the deal. The heavens didn't open up. It was just the day we marked it. It was the day that we said, this is our day. And we stood in that water with our pastor. And he, and he said, you understand that this is a symbol of you being buried with the Lord Jesus Christ and being raised to life by the Holy Ghost? Yes, sir, we do. You commit your life to live for Jesus and walk according to the word of God and do all that the word of God tells you to do? Yes, we do. So, well, in that case, act like a dead person. <laughs> act like a dead person. He said, don't try to kill me. Just work with me. Okay. Down and up. And I thought the heavens were going to open and all I was was cold. <laughs> but praise the Lord. I've been walking it ever since. And it went just as fast. And honestly... It wasn't no change. I mean, I wish I would have changed on the outside that fast. But the more you go to the church and you get dipped, the more you go and read your word and get dipped, the more time you spend, the more time you spend in the word, the more time you spend with Jesus, the more time you spend being a doer of the word, 
the faster what's on the inside will come to the outside. That's what baptism's all about. That's what it's all about. Glory to God. Glory to God. And Jesus told us to be water baptized. He told us to make that commitment. He told us. He told us to go do it. Go to Romans 6.3. And we're going to end on this note. Romans 6, 3. Like I said, we'll go through. We'll look at more scriptures. There's 83 scriptures that have the word baptize. The third, the third and final baptism is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, here's the thing about water baptism and being baptized in the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter what order you do it. There's a lot of times people get born again and get baptized in the Holy Ghost right there on the spot. Um, and does that mean that, that they've done things out of order and God's mad at them? No, not at all. But Romans chapter 6, and we'll talk about those next week, but I just wanted you to understand, I wanted, God, God just was really talking to me about this. I'm in Acts, I need to be in Romans. Romans 6, verse 3. He said, therefore, we are buried with him. How do we get buried with him? By baptism unto death. When you are baptized into Christ, Romans 6, 3. Uh, oh, is it 4? I'm sorry, 6, 4. I'm sorry. Uh, when you get baptized into the living water of Christ, that's the moment that you get buried with him. When I put those eggs in that hot water, they were buried. How much do you know? They were buried and and. The life that was in them, their old life changed. Did you hear me? How much, you know, the, un, the, un, the, the egg that's been out here in the world, this little duck that's been out here in the world and has never met the living God. There's a life in there, if it's fertilized egg and all that, you understand that. But, there, but there's potentially a life in there. But then it comes into contact with the living God and the life that's in there changes. The life that's in there changes when it comes in contact with the living God. That's what it means to be buried. We buried it in the living water of Christ, and Christ made a change. Christ made a change. And now, and now, that, now that egg has an entirely different purpose. That, egg now, that little duck now has an entirely different purpose, has an entirely different plan. That little duck's life looks entirely different now. Entirely different. He said, therefore, we are buried with him, how? By baptism. When we, get, when we get drenched, when we get soaked in the presence of Jesus, that's baptism. When we, get, when we go and we dunk ourselves in the water of, and we say, Father, this is our mark. We're marking that, we've been, that we are now dead unto sin, and now we begin to change and become something brand new. He said, he said that like as Christ was raised from the dead... By the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. So when we come out, when we become born again, it's time for us to walk brand new. It's time for us to walk totally different. It's time for us to walk in the light of God. And it's time for us to begin the process of going from this to this. And it's a process. It's a process. I can take this. I can, and here's the deal. I can take this. We all know how boiled eggs work, right? The inside turns yellow. The, the white of the egg turns white. 
we dye the shell, and, and if I peeled the shell, it would be white again, right? But how much do you know? If I left this egg in here all week long, all month long, year after year, and eventually I peeled it, how much do you know the white would also be yellow? It would all be one and the same. The more time you spend in the presence of God, the more you begin to what's on the inside begins to take place on the outside. So do we understand the principle of baptism? Glory to God. I was so excited. I told mom coming home yesterday. I said, i got to stop at the store. i got to get eggs. She said, we've got eggs. We've got a ton of eggs. I said, I know, but i got to make sure the dye works. I said, I know, but i got to make sure the dye works. The light beige ones would have worked. I just, I wasn't confident. I wasn't confident. Uh, but, and, and, well, and then I said, well, I don't know that I want to use really good eggs for that. But in any case, anyways. So uh, we'll do our tithes and our offerings. We'll take a real short break. And then uh, those that want to know about church finances, you guys can stay. We'll go over that. That shouldn't take us very long at all. Um, so if our guys will come, do our tithes and offerings. And now I have colored fingers. Now I've got to figure out how to get the dye off. Glory to God. Alcohol. I read something that said baking soda and vinegar, and I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't bring my baking soda, so I don't know. No. no. Is that how you do it? Oh, I didn't know. I don't know. I'm not a chemist. I don't have a clue. Anyways, let's, let's bless the tithe and the offering. <laughs> Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for helping us to understand baptism, that baptism is being totally dipped and submerged repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly until change comes. And so, Father, we thank you for this understanding. We thank you for this wisdom. We thank you for this revelation. Now, Father, as we sow our tithes, as we sow our offerings, both in the house and online, Father, we just give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. Father, we thank you that the word is working, that Satan has his hands off of our increase and that he's released it and let it go, that the angels have been charged to go get it and cause increase to come. And, Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. You can serve the people. Father, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Glory, glory, 